You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and follow along as I read, beginning with verse 7. Now, the title for the message this evening, How to Find the Lord's Blessings in Your Life's Battles. How to Find the Lord's Blessings in Your Life's Battles. Every once in a while, I find myself complaining to the Lord about some seemingly endless battle that I'm fighting. Uh, It seems like I just never get victory. It seems like it just goes on and on and on and on, and I begin to complain to the Lord about that. I don't know if you have any battles in your life uh, that you're fighting like that, but I certainly have battles like that. It seems like they've gone on for years and years, and I begin to cry out to the Lord. You know, if the Christian life is supposed to be uh, always successful, why can't I succeed in gaining the victory? And the Lord inevitably breaks through and says, let me tell you something, this battle is for your good. Don't you get out of it and don't expect me to replace it and don't expect victory overnight because this battle, contrary to what you think, is a favor to you. And so tonight we're going to look at how to find the Lord's blessings in your life's battles. The Apostle Paul says in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, lest I should be exalted above measure, Through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan sent to buffet, or rather to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. In other words, the Apostle Paul said it's it's obvious that the Lord has worked with me in a remarkable way, and God had used him to start churches and to preach the gospel in the known world at that time, at least the two-thirds of the Mediterranean world heard the gospel as he traveled about. And he said, you know, in the midst of this, so that uh, I wouldn't think of myself as too much, God gave me, or allowed to be given to me, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He could have said I had three intense times of prayer where I just begged God to solve this problem. But God didn't do it the way I want him to. Verse 9, he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. What I'm giving you is enough. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in other words, being in a situation in life where I have great need, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, I pray that tonight you will show us how you want to bless us in our life's battles. And Lord, I'm sure that uh, probably every true believer in this auditorium is even now fighting a battle in some particular arena of life. And Lord, I'm quite confident that there are many people here tonight who would say, it seems that I have been fighting this battle for years with no success, no positive result. 
at least that I know of. Does the Lord have a way for me? Does the Lord have an answer for me? And Father, I pray you would use the Scripture tonight to encourage the heart of many people who have been in long-time battles over issues which uh, are so perplexing to them, family issues, relational issues, attitudes, uh, personal sin, uh, uh, job-related, school-related issues. And so, Father, I pray trusting that your Holy Spirit will show us what you have for us in this uh, passage of Scripture. Open it up to our eyes, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. When Jeannie and I were enjoying this wonderful gift, this sabbatical that uh, was made possible for us, these weeks of just prayer and uh, delighting ourselves in the Lord and spiritual refreshment and physical refreshment as well. Mind you, there was a great deal of physical rest involved in this. It gave me an opportunity to approach the Lord once again about some issues with which I have been struggling for a long time. A couple of these were personal issues. One of them is beyond the scope of me personally. In fact, it, it has to do with, with our, our church family and, and the future and what God has for us out there in the future. And it seemed as I was uh, praying, I told the Lord this, it just seems that, that no progress is being made or what progress there is is so minuscule, so small that that it just, it just doesn't seem right. I mean, I, I just complained to the Lord. I'm sure it was just complaining. Uh, uh, that's okay. David in the Psalms said, I, I poured out my complaint before the Lord. Well, I did that. I said, Lord, you know, why can't we get some victory in this area? Why can't I have victory in this particular area? Why do the steps that we take, even after years and years, seem to be such baby steps? And, and uh, I was just, you know, venting a little bit. Now, I wasn't angry with the Lord. I was just questioning, why can we not find real victory in this particular area and, and in some particular areas in my life? And, and the interesting thing about these areas was that um, in each instance, they did not relate specifically to personal sin. In other words, it wasn't some kind of sin on my part that had gotten me into this arena. Um, or brought me to this point of battle. And, and like I said, there were several issues in my life, one in particular that involved our church, and it wasn't, you know, it, it, that wasn't it. It just, and so I felt like, well, Lord, you know, you're not doing this, I don't think, are you? Because there's some sin in my life. And, and uh, you know, of course, the Lord uh, had some specific things to speak to my heart about sin in my life and my particular attitude about that. But, but these were not directly the cause of that. So the answer was not just in, not doing something that I was doing wrong or starting to do something that I was omitting. I said, Lord, what is the answer here? How can we get some relief here? You know, how can I come to a point of victory? Well, in the midst of that, the Lord began to impress me that I was not alone in this uh, particular uh, struggle, that there are many people in this world who were fighting battles and had been fighting battles for a long time with seemingly little results. I imagine there are people here, for instance, who, who have been facing things in your work arena, and it seems like you have been 
slugging away in that arena for years and things have not changed. You have done everything you know to change. You have organized and reorganized. You have tweaked. You have tinkered. You have uh, uh, tried to get people charged up and been one of the people that got charged up. But nothing, you know, maybe for a little bit things change, but ultimately everything settles back and you're back in the same old grind and you just can't seem to get victory in that area. Some of you may have relationships like that in your family. Maybe it's uh, husband and wife or parent and children uh, uh, relationship, you with your children. Or, and, and it seems like you have tried every cotton-picking thing you know to try to solve it. You know, you've, you've done the praying part, the praying and fasting part, and, and you've gotten counseling for it, and maybe you've, maybe you've you know, gone to some conference or convention or, or seminar, and you've done... You, you, know, you try everything you know to do, and every, everything you go to has some little glimmer, holds out some little glimmer of hope. Do this, you know, six answers to, for success, or uh, seven keys for being a world changer. And you did that, and, and, you know, while you're doing it, you're telling everybody, hey, you know, we've been struggling along for years and years and years in our family. We never did communicate. We never got along there. No, all, and, boy, we have got the problem now. You get through it, Nothing changes. I mean, it's not very long. You're back right in the same, oh, you just can't seem to get this battle won. Maybe um, it is in some other area. Maybe it's in a financial area in your life. And you just, you just do everything you know to do. You read everybody's books and you apply everybody's principles. And anytime anybody's coming to town that's going to speak about it, you go hear them and you do it, but it just doesn't change. And here it is years down the road and you found yourself still in the same old mess you were in four years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. It just seems you can't get a handle on this thing. It is a battle you are not winning. Well, I, you know, maybe I'm alone in having battles like that, but maybe I'm not. Well, the, the Lord began to show me something. One of the things he showed me was that... that for the believer, now listen to this, it's going to sound strange to you, fighting is a good deal. Yeah, th there's something about uh, being in the battle that, that, that keeps your attention focused on the right things. Um, I, I thought, for instance, about David. You know, David's life got to be a mess when he decided not to go to war. He sent all of his boys off to war. And, and, and David was just sort of cool in his heels. He was thinking to himself, hey, I don't need to do this. I mean, we can whip every one of those guys anyway. My, my minions out here, my, my lesser troops here can handle this. They don't need the king on the battlefield. And so when he stayed out of the battle is when he got in big trouble. You see, it was when he was in the battle that he was constantly calling out to the Lord, constantly having to trust the Lord, constantly casting himself on the Lord. And so, you know, fighting was good for him. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. Something about fighting that, that you know, and I realize that, you, you know, your idea of life is to get someplace where, where there are no battles. Well, that just probably is not going to happen. And there's a sense in which that's good for you. I mean, really, not fighting against the Lord, I'm not saying. I'm saying fighting with the Lord against the enemies of your life. Uh, there's good sound scriptural evidence that that's the case, by the way. When uh, Joshua led the children of Israel into the land of promise, 
He said, Joshua, uh, you know, I, I don't know that it happened just quite this way, but I, I have a little inkling it might have happened this way. He said, Joshua, I need to have a, a visit with you about something that you're going to have a hard time understanding, son. He said, I know that you guys have, uh, you know, you've been very patient, Joshua, these 40 years in the wilderness, and you and Caleb alone are the ones that are going to lead the children of Israel into the wilderness. And I know you, I mean, into the promised land, and I know that you're really happy about going into the land of Canaan. And... Um, I know that, that you're eager to enjoy the land that flows with milk and honey. And uh, you know that there are giants in the land, plus there are all these other ites, the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites and the Termites and uh, every other kind of ite that there is in the country. And, you know, I know they're all in there. And he said, uh, uh, I've got some, some good news and some bad news. The good news is that you get to go in the land and with me you can dispossess every one of them. The bad news is that you do have to dispossess every one of them one at a time. I am not going to give you this land all at once. Why? You wouldn't know how to handle it. And so through the process of fighting for every square inch of Canaan, I'm going to get you in shape so you'll know how to handle it when you get it. You see? So, so fighting was good. I'm not talking about fighting against the Lord. I'm talking about fighting with the Lord against the enemies of your life. So there are some blessings that the Lord has for us in battles. Now, we, we come then to the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul fought battles on many fronts, but one battle that uh, we know a little bit about, but not everything we would like to know about, is this business of the thorn in the flesh. And there has been all kinds of speculation as to what that was. Most people would say, because it's a thorn in the flesh, that it was some physical disability. In fact, many people say, well, it was probably Paul's eyesight. He probably had trouble uh, seeing because um, during, in those days, infection of the eyes was very common, very prevalent. And not only that, but we have evidence that the Apostle Paul, uh, during part of his life, had to use a scribe, an amanuensis, to write for him because his eyesight... In fact, one time the Apostle Paul says, you see how large a letter I write. And the reason was because his eyesight was going bad. He said, man, I'm, I'm printing big here uh, because I, you know, I wanted to do this myself for you to read it. So a lot of people say, well, it was probably uh, uh, his eyesight. Other people say, no, it was an actual demonic spirit. It is a messenger of Satan. The word messenger, angelos. Uh, the word for Satan means the, your adversary. So it was a, an angel from the adversary. And, and the word buffet means pound with the, fe, uh, with the fist. And, and it was a thorn in the flesh. It was something that probed deep. It went, uh, you know, deeper than the surface. And it was an aggravation to him. And so what it was, I can be honest with you, every once in a while, they, people will tell you, you know, they, we know exactly what it was, but the Bible doesn't say what it was. But we know it was a problem. And we know that it was a big enough problem that the Apostle Paul went before the Lord at least three times about this issue. Now, the thing that encourages me about that is that Paul just didn't roll over and play dead with whatever it was. I, I know people, you know, they'll get sick and they'll say, well, I guess this is just God's plan and I just need to bear it. Well, I wouldn't be so quick to say that. I mean, until God tells me he wants me to be sick, I'm going to try to get well. I mean, really, I, I think until he got some 
a revelation from God saying, this is what I want for you to live with this sickness, I, I think the natural assumption is, you know, hey, I'm going to get the elders of the church and I'm going to ask them to anoint me and I'm going to ask them to pray over me and I'm going to believe God that he's going to heal me because God does things like that. We do that almost every week here at the church. The people call us and we get together and pray and anoint them with oil and, and there's some, been some amazing things which have happened. I'll just be quite honest with you. Some incredible things have happened. But the truth of the matter is that we're, our faith is not at stake and their faith is not at stake and repu God's reputation is not at stake. We're just letting the record show that what God said to sick people ought to do is what we do around here, see? And uh, that, then, then we just leave the results to God. So Paul, you've got to hand it to him. He didn't just roll over and play dead on this thing. A lot of people do. I mean, you know, you know people like that? Well, I got sick. I guess I'll just eat a worm and die. That's, you know, just God's plan for me to go through life with this hacking cough, you know, or whatever it is, you know. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily think so. So Paul went before God on this thing. I mean, he, he really got with God on this thing, and God did not give him the answer he wanted, but he gave him the answer that he needed. And the answer he needed was so much better than the answer that he wanted that I want to preach about it tonight. And I want to show you the blessings that are in the battle. Now, before we do this, I need a little survey because I don't want to preach this sermon if nobody but me's got battles. How, I, so I better just take a survey. Is there anybody here beside me who has been fighting a battle with something in your life for a long time and you wondered sometimes if it didn't get the best of you and it's really aggravating to you, but you'd have to say it's still there. Is there anybody besides me that was, well, okay, I'll go ahead and preach this message. And that seems to be almost every one of us. I think I'll, I'll press forward then. Uh, let me mention four things tonight just quickly. And and perhaps the Lord will write these across your heart like, like he's written them across my heart. All right, first of all, if, you, if you're going to find God's blessing in this, you're going to have to face it. Just write down, I need to face it. Now, the Apostle Paul, he, he faced his problem. And he faced his problem by, by becoming pretty well acquainted with, with it. Uh, I mean, there are some things that he already knew about this that, that, that he knew from studying this thing out. First of all, it was a thorn in the flesh. This thing was an acute problem to him, a thorn in the flesh. And, you know, sometimes a thorn, just think about a thorn. It gets beneath the skin and, um, you know, it festers and it's painful and, and it doesn't, you've got to dig that thing out and it's a, it's a problem to you and sometimes you can't find it. <laughs> when we were coming uh, home from Africa, one, one, one day about two or three weeks before we left, a friend of mine called. Some of you guys know Dudley Rogers. He said, Tom, he said, you're leaving Africa. He said, we're going to have a big game hunt. This is going to be called the Tom LF Big Game Hunt. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, i got some guys down here. He said, we're going to come down here. He said, we're, we're going to do everything that you've ever dreamed of doing. And we did. I mean, I've got pictures. It, it was incredible. And I, I realized, you know, well, never mind. I don't want to get into the theology and the philosophy of hugging trees and all that stuff. But, I, you know, um, it, it, was, it was a needful thing. The game needed to be hunted. And we... We, we accommodated. So um, in the process of that, we were driving along on this Jeep, you know, and, and I was doing what you're not, you know, I had one leg hanging out and I just, you know, had a rifle slung over here and we were batting brush, you know, we were, you know, was, and, and uh, Bush slapped me here, you know, Morris, you, you know, you're from South Africa, you know a little bit about this, don't you, okay? And so, you know, I dodged one of those bushes and I never thought about it. We came home and, you know, for, for months, I could never feel what it was, but I had the sorest, actually it's over here on this side, I had a sorest spot right here. Man, I just, I couldn't, felt like, a, you know, I just, and I just I look in the mirror. It's hard to look, you know, in the mirror that way. You know, I have Jeannie look at it. 
just so sore. And that thing went on and just got worse and worse. It just went on. And I couldn't get any relief from it. And I, and, 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 uh, so finally I forgot and I said, I just got a sore spot on my, my head up there. Well, you know, that thing went on for months. And, and we were back in the country almost eight months. And one day I just reached out. It was so sore. When I did, it stuck me. And what had happened was there was about a half-inch-long thorn that had slammed inside that flesh between my scalp and my skull and just gotten embedded. And that, that really hurt. I was glad to get it out. Let me just tell you, it was, it was fun getting it out, but uh, uh, it was a thrill when it was all over. It was done and finished, and it wasn't sore anymore, you know. Well, Paul says, mine's like that. I can't get at it. I just can't. It's a thorn in the flesh. I just can't seem. It just bothers me. And he said, the thing that bothers me is this. this the devil's involved in this deal. It's just a messenger. It's just a, the devil's angel. And it buffets me. He said, it just pounds me. It just creates. It's just beating me up constantly. Now, your battle, face it. I mean, get acquainted with it. Ask some questions about it. What, what is this thing? Why? You know, it may be between you and your husband, or you and your wife, or you and your kids, or them and you and your parents. It may be at work. It may be at school. It, it's a battle that you're fighting. It may be a physical battle. It may be a moral battle. It may be a financial battle. It may, all right, get acquainted with this thing. I mean, figure out what arena you're really fighting in. Because you may define the problem as one thing when it really is another thing. You may say, well, the problem is that, 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 that my wife is arrogant and proud and diffident and intractable and uh, all those other big $25 words that you can call a wife that you're not getting along with. The truth of the matter is, the arena may be that your wife has a very poor self-image or she is insecure or maybe she grew up with somebody who talked just like you did who treated her a whole lot worse. You know, maybe the same thing true with your husband or same thing. You know, find, ask some questions. Find out the nature. Face this battle. Admit to God that you have been fighting something. You know, it may, like I say, it may be a physical habit. And you may say, I'm going to admit God. I have been fighting this thing for years and years and years and years and years with no success. Face it. Ask some questions about it. Become, become familiar with it. Confess it and then get acquainted with it. I mean, know about it like the Apostle Paul did. Now, the second thing you need to do is fight it. You need not to say, well, you know, that thing's bigger than me and so I'm just going to quit fighting it. No, you need to fight it. You do. You need to fight it. You, you need to get in the battle against it. You need to wage warfare against that deal. I don't mean against that person, but against that problem. You see... It's not uh, flesh and blood that we're warring against. And the Apostle Paul was even saying that here. But you need to, to do battle against it, and Paul did that. Now, now, Paul says it this way. He says, for this thing that I have faced, he said, I have besought the Lord three times. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm, not a, I'm not able to say this Absolutely, because the Scripture doesn't say it. But I don't think what the Apostle Paul means is that three different times at mealtime, I asked the Lord to solve my problem. Lord, and bless me with that problem. I don't think that's what he means here. When he says, I besought the Lord three times, I have a feeling Paul took a sus sustained period of prayer 
probably coupled with fasting, coupled with intense searching of the Scripture, intense searching of his own heart. I think he got before God and he began to beg God with everything that was in him to solve the problem or give him revelation about it. Now, now write these two words down. When you're fighting this problem, you want to receive one of two things. First of all, the thing you're obviously looking for immediately, you want elimination. You want the problem to be eliminated. You want the problem to go away. You want the problem to be solved. I mean, that's just obvious. That's what everybody wants with the problem. They want the problem to be over. That's what Paul wanted. He wanted the problem to be over. But if you can't get it eliminated, there's a second thing. You want, if you can't get elimination, you want revelation. You want revelation. You want God to tell, listen, you want God to tell you his side of the story. All right, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for God to either take it out of your life or tell you his side of the story. Lord, why can't our marriage, why can't our family have harmony? Why can't we get along together? Lord, I'm begging you, I'm praying, I'm praying and fasting, I'm searching you, I'm searching the Scripture, I'm coming to you, I'm tired of going to this place and this place and this place and this place and no answer. Lord, I am begging you for the answer. And Lord, if you won't solve the problem, tell me your side of the story. Tell me your side of the story. What is it that, that you're wanting to show me about this problem? But I'm not just going to do nothing about it because the fight is good for me. The fight's going to help me become the kind of man or woman I need to be spiritually. It's going to keep me off of David's wall and out there in the trenches, right? It's going to keep me from dying in the wilderness and keep me over there in the promised land fighting for every square inch of the spiritual territory that belongs to me. I'm going to fight it, okay? Number three, quickly. Find God's plan in it. Find God's plan in it. I'll tell you, when I was praying about these things this past month, that's where the Lord really helped me. He didn't tell me he was going to eliminate the problem and send me on to fight other battles in other arenas. He didn't say he was going to take the battles away. As a matter of fact, I feel quite confident that for some long time, some of these battles are going to be my battles to fight. I wish I could say they're going to be over, but I am quite confident that some of them are going to be my battles to fight in the strength of the Lord. But the Lord gave me some revelation. He showed me how to handle some of these things. He showed me how to fight in these issues. Now, let me just share with you some things that the Lord revealed to the Apostle Paul. Here, here they are. Let me just mention four. You could, you could get 40 out of this passage. Let me just mention the top four, okay? These are what I'd call the top four revelations of God relative to the Apostle Paul. First of all, God showed the Apostle Paul that whenever we begin thinking of ourselves as somebody, God's going to show up to tell us otherwise. The, the Apostle Paul learned that self-exaltation, he said, now, now, there's some healthy self-image. 
And that's why I think it's really wonderful that in the Scripture, the Apostle Paul didn't say, well, for when I'm exalted, he said, no, exalted above measure. He said, it's, it's, you know, it's one thing for people to, you know, that's encouraging. We tell parents, you need to encourage your children. We need, to, we need to congratulate them and brag on their discipline, their hard work. That's so much more, that's so much better than bragging on them because of things that they didn't have anything to do with, like intellect or, or natural beauty, you know. Uh, those are obvious things, you know, and sometimes parents never tell their children that they're good for anything except things they didn't have anything to do with, like their, their beauty. So they begin to trade in their beauty. Uh, not everybody can do that. Some of us would go bankrupt trading on our beauty, wouldn't we? But, but see, parents sometimes brag on their kids for stuff they didn't have anything to do with. But, but you, it's good to, to brag on people for job well done, discipline, applying their life. That's good. That, that helps them to have a good, healthy self-image. And so the Apostle Paul says, but you know, this thing can get out of hand. And Paul said, the truth of the matter was, God had dealt with me in such a remarkable way that I would go to these places and I'd tell them how I got saved. Boy, there was that light and I would give that experience. And then I would open up the scripture and they never heard it like, well, he said, you know, my training. And pretty soon it would, it would be possible for me to be exalted beyond, above measure. And Paul said, I've learned, lesson number one, when you get exalted above measure, God is not going to share the stage with anybody. And when they're bragging on you, they're not bragging on God. Unless they're bragging on God that they see in you. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, said Jesus, who is in heaven. So that's lesson number one. Paul said, God has a way of dealing with pride and arrogance. Lesson number two. God is always going to tell you everything you need to know to behave right. Now, God didn't, Paul didn't say God told me everything about this, but the Apostle Paul said this, he told me enough to know how to handle it. God has given me enough information to know how to handle this problem. You see, if you don't know how to handle the problem, that is not God's fault, that's your fault. Because God will always give you enough information so that you can do right in any situation. Right? Otherwise, he couldn't hold you responsible for doing wrong. He gives you enough information so that you can do right, so that you can believe him adequately, so that you can perform adequately, so that you can behave right. God will always give you enough. And the Apostle Paul said, as I got before God, God gave me enough information to know how to handle this. He gave me that much information. And so here, you may have a problem with your parents. You may have a problem with your partner. You may have a problem with your business. And you say, I am at my absolute wit's end. Well, listen, you get before God on this thing, and he will give you enough. He may not solve it, but he will give you enough information so that you can behave without regret. You won't have to look back and say, well, I, did, I blew it. I did the wrong thing. I said the wrong thing. I hurt everybody's feelings. I didn't, I, I, and, you know, I was just trying to help, but I just blew everything out of the water. No, you don't have to do that. There's no excuse for you doing that. You can receive from God enough information to behave right in any situation. All right, lesson number three, and this is an important lesson. God always has sufficient grace for you. He's, God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient. It's enough. Now, grace is the, the, 
You see, mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Grace is, is God giving us something that we don't deserve. Mercy is when God should send us to hell, but by the blood of Jesus makes us clean and brings us to heaven. That's mercy. But grace is God giving us something. I mean, uh, mercy is his not sending us to hell. Grace is his taking us to heaven. Let me put it to you that way. Mercy is not giving us what we deserve. Grace is giving us something we don't deserve. So his grace here is God's giving you, first of all, the want to, the desire in your heart to do what's right, and secondly, the ability to do what's right. So not only will he, he will give you the capacity to do what he says, all right? So that's the third lesson that Paul learned. God will give me the capacity to do what I've learned. All right, the fourth lesson, these are the four top lessons. As I said, you could probably get 40. But the fourth lesson he learned is this, and that is that there is a remarkable formula by which God works. And the weaker we are, the stronger he is. The more I come to God and admit my inabilities and look to him as faith, the more God supplies his ability. And so the Apostle Paul is saying here, when well, you get out here in this battle, sometimes you feel so strong and sometimes you feel weak. But Paul, let me just tell you, in your weakness I am made strong. All you have to do is admit it. All you have to do is let me have your life. All you have to do is surrender to me and I will be stronger and stronger and stronger in you. Which brings me to the last thing, and this is just going to be so easy, I don't think you'll forget this and that is to just fall in with God's plan. We said face it, fight it, find God's plan, and then fall in with his plan. I mean, get with him. And that's what the Apostle Paul said. Face it is verse 7. Fight it is verse 8. Find his plan is verse 9. Fall in with it is verse 10. Therefore, he said, here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to fall in with it. I take pleasure in infirmities. This would be physical infirmities. In reproaches, this is insolence, people acting bad toward, people acting insolent towards you. In necessities, this is when you have great need in your life. In persecutions, people really being bad to you. In distresses, I mean, when you just, this is a calamity for Christ's sake. For he says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, I'm going to just give you two sentences, and this is, or, or, or two ways of looking at this, and this, I believe, will help you. Paul said... The battles of my life, A, make me better. B, make God bigger. Now, God's as big as God's ever going to be, but that means bigger to Paul and bigger to the people that see him. So Paul says, look, the result of these battles is a better me and a bigger God. That's how that, these battles, there's some blessings in these battles. And what I'm going through is making a better me and a bigger God. The more I wade into this, the more I see how big God is, the more I see how God's in charge. David said this. He would say something like this, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Have you ever thought about, about this? Think of your life. You know, I have these, I have these uh, glasses on up here. And uh, they have a lens in them. 
And I've got funny eyes. I mean, I've got one that's a little bit nearsighted and one that's a little bit farsighted. And uh, so, you know, these are two different kinds of lenses. Now, these, these lenses basically magnify, okay? Now, the truth of the matter is, um, I can hold this out here, and boy, that makes those, well, I can even see the letters on that book down there. I mean, that makes those things look really big, looking through that glass. When people look through your life, when they see God through you, your life either helps them to see a bigger God or a smaller God. If you're one of these kind of whining, snivelly, I'm getting out of the battle and God's not treating me right and I'm so upset with everybody and I'm so fed up with these problems anyway, I'm about to scream and I'm just going to quit. And people look at you and they know you're a Christian. You know what, they, what the result is? You have made God seem smaller to them. For some reason, God just can't handle his home. God just can't handle his life. For some reason, God's just not, just not he doesn't have much of a God. But the other approach is you come and you say, Lord, I can't do it. You're going to have to do it in me. And you throw yourself, throw yourself on God and let God work through you. And people start looking at God through the lens of your life and through the lens of your experience. And the result is they see a bigger God. And Paul's was just saying, he said, you know something? When I'm weak, I'm really strong. I'm really going to take pleasure in my infirmities. I'm going to realize these battles, this fight is my friend. Because the weaker I get, the bigger God gets. So that they see less and less of Paul and more and more of God, which is the goal anyway. Do you get the picture? So here you are. You're, you're fighting this battle. I mean, you're just, you're just fighting this battle. And you're saying, God, I've been fighting this battle for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. God, I cannot seem to solve this problem. God, if you are really God, why don't you take this battle away from me? Listen to what God might say to you. He might say to you, if I took that battle away from you, you would be spiritually dull, insensitive, Think of all the prayers you've prayed. Think of all the desperate moments in your life when you've called out to me. Think of all the times when if I didn't come through, you would have failed completely and I came through. Oh, it was all about this same battle. It was all about this same battle. Think of the nights that you toiled in prayer. Think of the desperate moments. Think of, the, of how this problem has showed you something about yourself and something about me. I mean, think of it. This fight is your friend. It's making you better, and it's making me bigger in you. And that's the blessing of the battle. Father in heaven, I pray, trusting that you'll show us the truths of your word, write them across our heart. Bring us to surrender to you, Lord. Help us not to just cave in to illnesses and 
fractured families and distressing situations and just roll over and play dead and assume that they're, that's the way they're supposed to be. Lord, help us to get in the fight and either seek their elimination or seek your revelation on them so that you'll show us what you're doing in our lives and then help us to fall in with that. Help us to aggressively cooperate with you in your plan for our lives so that we become better and you become to us and to those who look at you through our lives bigger as God. So bring us to this altar, Heavenly Father, to say, yes, we're cooperating with you. Thank you, Lord, for the battle, for it is in the battle that you are making me what I am to become, conforming me to your image. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. In just a few moments, our celebration singers are going to be leading us in a hymn of invitation. It's just your invitation to come to Christ. And we ask those who've made decisions in earlier services, for instance, maybe this morning you joined the church. Are you were baptized? Or you've joined the church in the last several services. We've not introduced you. And so I'm going to ask you to come and be seated over here to your right where it says seating for new members. And uh, this will give us an opportunity to meet you. And then I'm going to ask our counselors to be coming and our prayer warriors will be coming. And I'll ask those of you to whom the Lord is speaking about joining First Southern. You say, maybe you're a student and uh, you've come to one of the universities near here and you want us to be your church home while you're at school. We'll join by watch care from your, from your home church. Become a part of our student ministry. It could be you've just moved to town. It could be you've been visiting First Southern for a long time. And God's just speaking to your heart and saying, you know, this is where you belong. Well, I would urge you to join tonight. And just find a counselor here at the front and say, look, we want to join. It could be that the Lord is speaking to your heart about trusting in Jesus as your Savior. And you want tonight to know when you die that you have eternal life. But more than that, you want to know your sins are forgiven. You want to know that you have peace with God and that you have a purpose in this world. And you want to know what it is. Well, this is your invitation to make that decision. John said, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name. It has to be Jesus. For you see, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And Paul said, you see, here's the deal. All of us have sinned, and we've come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But you see, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. How could it be through Jesus? Well, Peter tells us, he said, Christ also once suffered for sin. He died on the cross for us. The just, that's Jesus. For the unjust, that's you and me. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And so you would want to come and receive this Jesus who stands at the door of your heart tonight and knocks. You want to throw open the door and say, Jesus, come in to be my Savior. Well, when we stand, I want to urge you to make your way down here and find a counselor and say, look, tonight I want to trust Jesus as my Savior and just nail it down. You can go home tonight knowing you have eternal life and purpose and peace. And then this prayer altar is open for you to come. And it may be that you are about ready to throw in the towel. It may be you say, Lord, I've been fighting these battles for years and years with no change, seemingly. And the Lord's shown you tonight, well, you may not have any change in the battle, but there's been a big change in you. And that that battle over these years has kept you out of mischief. That battle has been your friend to keep driving you to Jesus, driving you to trust him. And you want to come to this altar and say, Lord, I see that now. I confess that. And so I embrace that tonight. And I want you to be big in me. And I want to be better. 
as I fight these battles of life. Well, I would encourage you to come. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Father in heaven, I pray, trusting, believing that at this invitation time, your word would not return void. Bring to this altar, Lord, every person in this auditorium who in his heart, her heart, knows your spirit is speaking and will respond by saying yes. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together. Folks are coming to the altar already. Won't you join them right now? Won't you say yes? God bless you.